Hey, Winnie T. Good morning. I hope everybody <clears throat> is doing good this morning. I'm sorry. I kind of sound like a whole man in the morning time. But I'm on here to encourage y'all. Um, we are on chapter 11. Excuse me. I'm still early. We're on chapter 11. So I'm on here. My name is Tina Smoot. For those who don't know, know me. I am a life coach, a mentor, and a motivational speaker. I'm here to motivate you. I'm here to help you to tap into who God really called you to be, getting your purpose, teach you about the real kingdom of God and not the religious rituals. That's why I bought this book on um bought this book so I can play it on here so y'all will be able to listen to it. Because I know some people may may not be able to afford it. And some people just don't like to read. They'll they rather just listen. So here you go. We're going to get right into it. We're going to get right into it, y'all. Chapter 11, Kingdom Concept Number 8, Understanding the Kingdom Concept of Culture. Culture encompasses many things. Once you understand the culture of a people, you understand the people. Everything that makes a nation a nation and a people a people is wrapped up in their culture. As we have already seen, for example, every country has land, territory. Without land, there is no country. Historically, the land a people inhabit significantly influences the culture they develop. Desert dwellers, for instance, are unlikely to develop a maritime culture unless they live along the coast. Their culture will reflect the arid environment in which they live. A second key component of every country is language. A country is not a country unless it has one major language. Many nations of the world have numerous sub-languages and dialects, but every nation always decides on one major language because language identifies you as a country. Language is the key to unity. It is also a key factor in a nation's culture. Again, as we saw earlier, all countries have laws. Every nation draws up a body of laws that everyone must obey to ensure peace, order, and security for the citizens. Without law, there is no country, because the absence of law leads to chaos, and you can't run a country or maintain a stable government on chaos. The laws of a nation reflect the culture of that nation, and vice versa. Culture and law each affect the other. Every nation also utilizes specific and unique symbols to represent it and to help inspire unity, patriotism, loyalty, pride of nation, and a strong sense of national identity. The most familiar symbol of any nation is, of course, its flag. A nation's flag symbolizes its history, the sacrifices, suffering, and triumphs of its people, and what the people have constituted themselves to be. All of these things relate also to culture. Few national symbols are more powerful than the flag. Another element that all nations share in common is a constitution. As we saw in chapter 6, a constitution is a contract between the people and their government. In many ways, a constitution is a cultural document because it contains in codified form the laws, ideals, and values of the people, or of the king, depending on who wrote it. Furthermore, all nations have a moral code. A nation's moral code embodies the moral standards under which the people have agreed to live and by which they have chosen to govern themselves. 
In most cases, a moral code consists of both written and unwritten standards. The written standards are expressed through laws and statutes, while the unwritten standards are transmitted primarily through traditions, customs, and culture. Respect other people's property. Do not bear false witness in court. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. All of these are part of the moral code in virtually every nation and government on earth. A seventh common characteristic of all countries is shared values. In order to have a country that runs effectively, the people must share the same values in common. The people as a whole must agree that they all value the same thing, such as life or peace or freedom. Every nation also develops its own customs. Customs derive from a nation's shared values. A custom is a customary way of doing something, a behavioral pattern that is not only commonly accepted, but also expected. Overall, customs generally are consistent throughout a nation, although there are many regional variations. Quite often, a nation's customs are so distinctive that they become a point of identification for that nation, such as certain traditional manners of dress or kinds of foods. Finally, there are social norms. These are similar to customs, but have greater force and authority within society. Social norms are standards of speech, thought, and behavior that are accepted by the wide majority of the people as right and proper. Violate a custom, and you may be thought eccentric. Violate a social norm, and you risk being ostracized. All of these together, land, language, laws, symbols, constitution, moral code, shared values, customs, and social norms, comprise what we call culture. What is culture? So what is culture specifically? First of all, culture is the act of developing the intellectual and moral faculties by education, expert care, and training. In other words, culture is the developing of a people's intellectual capacities and moral awareness through a combination of formal instruction and informal modeling. Parents and society teach children the elements of the culture, and as the children learn and internalize those cultural elements, they begin to live them. Secondly, culture is the enlightenment and excellence of taste acquired by intellectual and aesthetic training. Simply stated, we all come to think like the environment we grow up in. Our intellectual interaction with our environment literally produces a way of thinking in us that becomes our way of life. And so we become trained in our culture. None of us are born with a culture. We are born into a culture, but we are not born with a culture. Culture may also be defined as the integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior that depends upon man's capacity for learning and transmitting knowledge to succeeding generations. From a sociological perspective, culture is the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. In the business world, culture defines the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize a company or corporation. As for a scientific definition, culture means to grow in a prepared medium. That's a powerful image. Each of us arrived on Earth in a prepared medium, the country and culture of our birth. Immediately, we began to grow in that medium, shaped and influenced by the customs, values, moral code, and social norms of our parents, community, and society. We learned the language and the laws. 
This growth medium is also where we learned our prejudices and our hatreds, our jealousy and our greed and our pride. Then one day we discovered the kingdom of heaven. We were born again and became citizens of God's kingdom. And that's where the challenge really began. After spending 20, 30, or 40 years in a certain medium that trained us to think a certain way, we suddenly find ourselves in a whole new culture, a new growth medium, with a whole lot of new things to learn and a whole lot of old things to unlearn. And therein lies the problem. How do we get rid of the old culture in our hearts and minds to live in the new one? That's the universal challenge for every dual citizenship believer. For you see, culture is also what lies at the very center of the great cosmic conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And earth is the battleground. The battle for earth is the battle for culture. And culture is the manifestation of the collective thinking of a people. In other words, whatever the people as a whole think collectively, their beliefs, values, ideals, and so forth, becomes their culture. So whoever controls the minds of the people controls the culture. In fact, whoever controls the minds will create the culture. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See Proverbs 23.7 KJV. This means that the way we think determines who we become. In this context, the heart is the mind, and the kingdom of God is a kingdom of the heart. Therefore, the king of heaven is battling for the minds of the creatures he created in his own image. Manifestations of Culture Culture manifests itself in a number of ways. One, values. Shared values are a defining characteristic of a culture and a nation. What we value reveals who we are. Our values reflect our character. Basically, a value is a belief or conviction that is considered worthy in and of itself by a person or group. It is a standard or ideal that regulates conduct or policy. Values also relate to one's personal philosophy. Our values define our attitudes, behavior, and view of the world. If we want to learn how to live in the culture of the kingdom, we must learn the values of the kingdom. Jesus the King articulated his value system at the very beginning of his public ministry. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3-10 through 10. This particular portion of Jesus' teaching is commonly known as the Beatitudes, or blessed sayings, from the Latin word beatus, blessed. We could even call them the Beatitudes because they describe the way kingdom citizens should be in character, attitude, and behavior. Values are extremely powerful and form the foundation for behavior. They guide the people of a nation in identifying what behavior is acceptable or unacceptable. Whether explicitly stated or unspoken yet recognized, values form the foundation of nations and profoundly shape the lives and daily experiences of their citizens. Society depends on certain values in order to function, such as cooperation and honesty. Businesses also depend for their function on such values as integrity, 
honor, fairness, and kindness. 2. Priorities. Culture manifests itself in the things we regard as most important. In other words, whatever we prioritize in life reveals our culture. If we prioritize the sanctity of marriage, our culture will reflect it with laws, customs, and social norms that strongly discourage and even penalize divorce, adultery, and other marriage busters. Prioritizing the sanctity of human life will produce a culture that protects the elderly and the unborn and refuses to sanction the harvesting of human embryos for stem cell research. Jesus got right to the heart of priorities when he said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew six thirty-one through 33 3. Behaviors. The way we behave reveals our culture. It's that simple. 4. Standards. The standards we apply in everyday life reveal whether we have a culture that indulges and encourages mediocrity or a culture that inspires excellence. Do we take pride in the appearance of our houses and churches and businesses and cities and streets? Do we place a high premium on quality in all things? Or are we satisfied with just enough to get by? Either way, our standards reflect our culture. In fact, our culture will never rise higher than our standards. 5. Celebration Our culture is revealed in the things we celebrate as well as in the manner that we celebrate. Our holidays and other celebrations opportunities for fun and laughter and togetherness as families or excuses for drunkenness and other kinds of excess. As kingdom citizens, we need to take our cue from our king because his attitudes and responses reveal heaven's culture. Whatever makes Jesus angry should make us angry. And whatever makes him happy should make us happy. Whatever fills him with joy should make us joyful also. And whatever brings him sorrow should grieve our spirits as well. 6. Morality The level of our moral conscience and consciousness reveals the level of our culture. Do we shrug our shoulders at adultery and other forms of infidelity? Do we turn a blind eye to pedophilia and other kinds of sexual abuse? Are we willing to normalize perversion in our society? Or are we committed to standing for, supporting, and promoting the highest standards of moral purity in every area? 7. Relationships Who do we relate to? How do we relate to them? How do we treat people? How do we handle the destitute, those who are hurting, and those who are abused? What is our attitude toward the poor? There's a culture in heaven that is revealed when poverty is around. When people are hungry, the culture of heaven feeds them. When they are thirsty, the culture of heaven says, I've got something for you to drink. Our culture is revealed in how well we take care of each other. 8. Ethics Is honesty our best policy, or is honesty our only policy? If someone overpays us, do we keep the money, or do we take it back? Kingdom ethics is always proactive, Jesus said, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Luke 6.31 This rule applies to every area of life. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Matthew 18.21 and 22 
In response to Peter's question, Jesus pulled a number out of his hat to make his point. Seventy-seven times is not a literal figure. It is seven times extended indefinitely. In other words, in kingdom culture, forgiveness is ongoing. We forgive as often as necessary, just as we would hope to be forgiven as often as necessary. Again, we take our cue from our king. As he has forgiven us and keeps on forgiving us, so are we to do with others. 9. Social Norms Whatever is regarded as normal in our society reveals our culture. Is shacking up normal? Are out-of-wedlock pregnancies and births normal? Is cheating on taxes normal? Is corruption in government normal? Are honesty, integrity, and fidelity both at home and in the workplace normal? Is sexual purity normal? What are the norms of the kingdom of heaven? Here are a few that Kingdom Ambassador Paul called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. 10. Dress. Culture also manifests itself in the way the people dress. How we dress speaks volumes about our values and ideals, as well as how we feel about ourselves. All of these relate to culture. Of course, since kingdom citizenship and kingdom citizens are invisible, there is no such thing as a kingdom uniform or prescribed manner of dress. But there is such a thing as a certain demeanor that kingdom citizens are to carry themselves with that identifies them as children of the king. Simon Peter's instructions to female citizens of the kingdom applies equally in principle to every citizen. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. 11. Foods. Food has always been a cultural distinctive. Certain dishes, certain ingredients, and certain seasonings are associated with certain regions of the world or certain regions within nations. Curry is a distinctive of Indian cooking. Beans and rice are staples in Mexico. Hot dogs are undeniably American. In the Bahamas, it's peas and rice, conch chowder, and guava duff. As kingdom citizens on earth, we need food to strengthen and nourish our bodies. But we also need heavenly food to nourish our spirits. Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4b. At another time, he told his inner circle of followers, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. John 4, 34. 12. Permits. We reveal our culture by what we permit. Remember, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. If we loose lewdness and immorality, those things will characterize our culture. If we loose corruption and dishonesty, we will have a corrupt and dishonest culture. On the other hand, if we loose love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the like, our culture will reflect these traits. As kingdom citizens, we have the authority to bind and loose for the social, moral, and spiritual good of our fellow men. This is why it is important for us to be involved in and to engage the popular culture and challenge it with the culture of heaven. 13. Acceptance Our culture is defined also by what we accept. 
More and more people who claim to be believers and even kingdom citizens are buying into the popular culture to such a degree that by their language and lifestyle, it is impossible to tell which kingdom they belong to, the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of heaven. The more often we hear about new cultural, social, or moral ideas, the more accepting we become until eventually it's not new to us anymore. We have accepted it, and now it has become a cultural norm. That's why we need to be always alert and ever careful to evaluate all the new ideas and philosophies that come down the line. Some of them may be fine, but many, perhaps most, will be contrary to the culture and values and ideals of the kingdom of heaven. When this is the case, as kingdom citizens, we have the duty and responsibility to refuse to accept them. 14. Rejections On the other hand, our culture manifests also in what we reject. Modern popular culture has reached the point where it rejects almost nothing. An attitude of anything goes prevails in many circles. Political correctness rules the day with its calculated and deliberate determination to be nice to everybody, avoid hurting anyone's feelings, and refusing to take a stand by judging anything as evil, immoral, or improper. Today's culture rejects the very idea of absolute standards. Everything is relative. Kingdom culture, on the other hand, rejects relativism in favor of the absolute standard of the unchanging word of God. If some things are right, then other things are wrong and must be rejected. Jesus said it this way, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Matthew 12:30. We can't have it both ways. We can't play both ends against the middle. There is right and there is wrong, and kingdom citizens must reject the wrong and embrace the right. 15. Distinctions. Culture manifests also in our distinctions. What distinguishes us from other cultures? What makes the kingdom culture distinctive from the culture of the world? I'm not talking about outward things like clothing or hairstyle as much as inner qualities of character, values, and norms. Paul said, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Ephesians 5.8 16. Quality standards. And finally, culture manifests in our standards of quality. God never does anything halfway, and neither should his children. In everything we do, kingdom citizens should always be on the cutting edge of excellence, leading the way for everyone else rather than following in the world's wake. In kingdom life, we don't have to be perfect in what we do because we are imperfect people. But that is no excuse to accept shabby work half-finished projects, or a just-enough-to-get-by attitude. Our king demands our best, and he deserves nothing less. For this very reason, it should be our joy to give our very best to the king, and to give it freely and willingly. Principles 1. Once you understand the culture of a people, you understand the people. 2. Culture is the act of developing the intellectual and moral faculties by education, expert care, and training. 3. Culture is the enlightenment and excellence of taste acquired by intellectual and aesthetic training. 4. Culture is the integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior that depends upon man's capacity for learning and transmitting knowledge to succeeding generations. 5. Culture is the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. 6. Culture is the set of shared attitudes, 
values, goals, and practices that characterize a company or corporation. 7. Culture means to grow in a prepared medium. 8. The battle for Earth is the battle for culture. All right, y'all. That's it for chapter 11. We got, we have one more chapter to get through. That's chapter 12. I hope y'all enjoyed this book. I did. This is my second time. First, I read it. This is my second time listening. This is my second time hearing it, I should say. Because I read it and then now I got it on audio books. So, I love you guys. The little nuggets that I got from it is whatever we do unto God, do it in the excellent of spirit. Do it like we really care about what we're doing. Do it like we're serving the king. So that goes for how we live our life, how we show up for him every day in our purpose. It's a lot of things that go into that. Like when you're working for the kingdom of God, you got to make sure you put your best foot forward because God is watching. And if you want him to bless what's in your hand, he got to see that you're going to do the right thing with it. Amen. So if you don't know how to get in the kingdom, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the beginning of entering the kingdom, first you have to believe that Jesus is the son of God. No man comes to the father except through the son. Second, you have to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. He died for you. He died for me. He died for the world. And thirdly, you have to ask him to come into your life and to save you and you will be saved. If you did that, welcome to the winning team. Welcome to the kingdom. Um, get with your mentor or life coach. It don't have to be me, whoever you choose, whoever God choose for you. That's why you got to seek his kingdom and his righteousness so he can tell you these things. I love you guys. You guys have a great, what's today? Tuesday. Y'all have a great Tuesday. I love y'all.